Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship, where we get to talk about horses. I'm your host, John Hare, and Renee's off on a little family trip, and I wondered what kind of trouble I could get into, and I decided to contact my friend, author Sam Finden, to help me co-host the show. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. How are things in Montana? You know, right now it's a little blustery, but elk season's still going and and the horses are looking fat, so things couldn't be better. Well, thanks for sitting in for Renee on this show. It's my pleasure. We talked about different things we could talk about, and we decided we just wanted to catch up with each other. Uh, Sam was on the show a couple years back after he had written his first book, Saddle My Good Horse, and since then, gosh, you've had all kinds of life changes, Sam. You've not only written two more books, but you've gotten married, too. Yeah, the most important change, the the best decision I've made in my life, well, besides being with God and getting sober, is getting married. And and, uh, I married my editor, actually, so now I I pay more for editing than ever. But, you know, life life is just fantastic. So you got married, and you've continued writing. Actually, you've probably picked up the pace with your writing, trying to keep that editor wife of yours busy. I have actually, you know, we've, I've decided to take take my writing career a little more seriously, and I feel like I've got something to say and a, a good niche to go in. So we've been for the last year we've been making a push, and and I've got two books out now that are a series, mostly aimed at young adults and particularly young boys. And it's been really fun to connect with the readers. We're going to different shows and things, and. Most of my free time is gone now, but the trade-off is is meeting new readers and just visiting with people. And I, I, at heart, we're all storytellers, whether it's you with your podcast all the time or with people on YouTube or if me as a writer who tells longer stories. You know, it, it's uh, life is all about telling stories and passing wisdom on, and I'm, I'm really excited to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it. Tell us a little bit about the two books, Lone Wolf and Big Cat Challenge. Well, you might get a kick out of this, John, is actually uh, Lone Wolf was, they're both adapted from short stories that I had written in my younger years when I I wasn't taking writing seriously, but I've always had the urge to write. But Lone Wolf starts off with a scene where a fellow's riding a, a borrowed horse and he's got a team or a pair of mules that are packed with sawbucks, which if I'd lived in Montana, I would have known that they use Deckers primarily, but that's okay. A little pack saddle action, and he's going in the backcountry, and he's got to gotta deal with some wolves on this big ranch, and, and it's a, a fellow that he's got to go back and do his work alone. Well, then he stumbles across this mixed-up city girl, and he's got to keep her safe from all the wild things that are out there. She doesn't know anything about the outdoors, and they grow on one another, and of course, as it's want to happen, that the scarcity of other people they'd become friends and a little more than friends but they've got to mind their manners in the backcountry and do what they know is right not what they'd like to do and then in big cat challenge our main man daniel foss who we met in the first book is back and this time he's in northwest wyoming hunting a man-eating mountain lion and it comes down to a pretty exciting adventure and is your target young adult audience for this yeah Yes, primarily. Uh, I wind up with a lot of older gentlemen that actually really enjoy the books, and I think it throws them back to their childhood and reading adventure stories. But the books are classified as young adult, a little bit of Christian or religious fiction. There's a, a morality aspect in all of them that 
you know, we don't want to be preachy, but there is there is a little bit of you got to do what's right when nobody's looking. And, and I think we could use that in society. So here we are. And that's part of the cowboy code, I believe, too. You know, you look at things like, well, anywhere from the Lone Ranger's creed or to the to Gene Autry's uh, rules for living to any of that. I think that's part of what makes kind of the cowboy philosophy is doing what's right. I think so. I think if if you were to boil it down, you could make it into the golden rule and then add a few addendums to it. You know, do unto others as you would want done unto you. And and there's a big old book that's the best story ever told that I I look at and find that in every Sunday. But, you know, I don't know if your listeners are into that or not, but maybe they ought to be. And have you ever tried nonfiction writing? I have tried a little bit of it, primarily with my my blog and things, but I, I haven't found the success yet in doing that. And I've decided to focus more on what I do best right now, which is creating stories out of thin air and uh, telling the story that I would like to tell. But I, I really respect those guys that can go out and do the reporting and do, you know, document things up and down and side to side and get all angles. And, and I understand that you've You've dealt with a little bit of that and and the uh, kind of the freelance aspect of that. I have. I've tried my hand at writing. I've I've had a couple of articles published internationally, as it were, for an Australian magazine. And because of the podcast, I ran into two gals, Kate Bradley Byers and Abigail Boatwright, who are both magazine writers. You're probably familiar with their work in. Uh, AQHA Journal, Western Horseman. Yeah, horse and Rider, too. Horse and Rider. Yeah, they write all over the place. Well, they've started a, a podcast called The Freelance Remuda, and their purpose is to encourage people who are in the freelance business, who want to make it in the freelance business, maybe make it in the equine industry. Their podcast is designed to help those people. They They have tips about writing. They have editors that come on they have other authors that come on and talk about story ideas why in the world they would want to interview me is is still a mystery well you're interesting interesting, john (laughs) i mean i renee thinks so so why wouldn't they that's yes but the gals that interviewed me and and we just wanted to play a little bit of that interview on today's show so that people can get a taste for the freelance remuda and if you're doing stuff in the equine business world, or if you're a freelancer and you want to learn more about it, you can check out the Freelance Remuda podcast. And here's a little taste of my interview with Kate and Abigail. And there's just so much to know about horses, uh, not only about the horses and horsemanship, but about the horse keeping and tack and veterinary knowledge. And then if you really love your horses, you want to have an adventure with them. And so we try to cover as much and as broad a spectrum as we can about horses. Definitely. It is a wide-reaching industry. And, you know, you told us a little bit about how the podcast started. You just mentioned some different aspects of the industry. So tell us, how has your podcast grown and changed over the years based on your audience? Well, it's a little bit easier to find guests now. Most people have at least heard the word podcast and I think one of the biggest changes is that Renee and I are a little more comfortable showing our personality. We were a bit timid about opening up to the audience when we first started. 
And I don't know if you guys feel it, but we feel a little bit vulnerable and exposed behind the microphone. We didn't know much about horses when I began, and I was sure that someone was going to call me on it. I could totally see that. Kate and I just had a conversation about that. You know, freelance principles and and business stuff is easy, Uh but then when it comes to being vulnerable and, you know, admitting where you're struggling or something like that, like, that's hard on a podcast. So, I mean, I admire you guys for sharing all, you know, so many aspects of your life with your listeners, and I'm sure they appreciate it too. Especially yeah. horsemanship, and especially in, in a form of social media, because a lot of people can be somewhat bullies or, you know, computer desk cowboys. So when right. you talk about <laughs> situations that aren't perfect, you know, a lot of horse owners, we understand everything's a learning situation, but there are those people out there that want to just harp on the criticism. So, you know, being open like that, that's fantastic. You know, it's it's a tough challenge. We've talked about a lot of our mistakes when we were early on. And, you know, you feel like, well, maybe other people are making these mistakes and it's good for them to hear you talk about it so that they'll have a more comprehensive picture of actually what's going on with them and their horse. And Well, I tell you what, John, that was a pretty good interview. Those, uh, those two gals seem like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> they really do. And they've, you know, they've written for, for some pretty prestigious magazines. Uh, Western Horseman has also has a, a fellow Montanan. Well, I don't know if he was originally from Montana, but Ben Masters, the guy who did the film Unbranded, and he talks very highly about Montana and its open spaces. Do you ever get a chance to ride out in the open spaces? You know, the funny thing is pretty much all of my recreation is done on public ground out here. It's I'm not in the position to have a, a big ranch of my own. We got a little place that we have can have our horses and dogs and it's it you know, my neighbor's not right next door, but anytime you want to go anywhere, you can just go to the public ground, either Bureau of Land Management or State Ground or National Forest is my favorite. And I, everything from, you know, the middle of winter, you get up there and you're, you can ride right into elk herds because they're all just looking for food. And as far as your truck will take you, you unload there and there are a lot of uh, roads that are inaccessible in the winter unless you got a snowmobile. And a lot of those are closed roads, but if you got a horse, you're allowed to go everywhere and you just travel through silently and, and then you get into the springtime and everything's starting to green up. It's muddy, but with a horse, it doesn't matter. They're the ultimate four-wheel drive. And then come summertime, I'm up scouting for elk or I'm fishing, looking for a good camping spot for my elk camp. And then in the winter or in the fall and the winter, we use the horses for elk hunting and deer hunting and also you know if a local ranch needs a hand you can help with the gather mm-hmm. yeah. you know that's that's kind of primarily reserved for guys that have grown up here i'm not quite a local yet you know i've only been here six years so far so you're still you're still they're still breaking you in there how how far is it to drive to your like if you're going to go to your elk camp well, we've got the Missouri River out in front of us, and, and they dammed it up and made a big reservoir. It takes me probably, if I was just doing it in a pickup truck, it'd take me 40 minutes, but with horses, it takes a little over an hour, and then you ride in another five miles before you get to where we camp. I noticed on your blog, you wrote about making a, a stock rack for your your pickup. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a fun project. I, I've kind of been... Uh, 
maybe a shade tree mechanic or whatever you want to call it. But I had this old pickup truck around and and wasn't really doing anything with it. It was a, a flatbed pickup. And I decided, you know what, I think I could get further into the hills before I had to start riding. So you weren't riding on the gravel roads with people coming in four wheelers and everything. Mm-hmm. And with just a pickup, as opposed to my big horse trailer, my gooseneck horse trailer. So I, I built this stock rack after looking, you know, people used to travel all the time. I've had a lot of locals tell me, yeah, we used to haul everything in the back of the pickup, you know, and the horses that have their head out there in the wind. And it's funny, I, I built this stock rack and took it up and rode my horses in and packed my camp in. It was great. And then the next time the horseshoer came around, he says, yeah, I saw you driving. He said, <laughs> yeah, I saw you driving and uh, your horses had their faces out in the wind like dogs going down the road. And that's not <laughs> uncommon here, you know, where everybody's got a couple of cow dogs hanging out in the back of their pickup. But right. yeah, it was a really, it was a really fun project. And they just hop right up in there. Well, I, I, mine are spoiled, you know, so I, I built a ramp for them, but the old cowboys who tell you, oh yeah, well, you should have seen it back when, you know, when we walked uphill to school both ways in the snow, they say, ah, your horse should just jump in there. You just flop the stirrups up over. And there's a a really cool post on the Sagebrush C that has a photo array of just that where they they go up and you know the it's a cowboy out checking his cows and then he's he's saved himself a lot of tires by just having the truck but when he loads the horse up he has to flop the stirrups up and take he takes the bridle off and just has the little i guess it's his tie down but that's his uh halter it's kind of a skimpy halter but those horses are so broke it doesn't matter he just jumps right up in there I got to tell you, I, I was helping out in a gather, and I was pretty new. I was pretty green about it. And we were going to drive a couple of miles to let the horses out and then go get the cows and then bring them all the way back in. I said, well, I'll just I'll just ride out there. And they go, nah, it's about an hour and a half. They had this stock trailer, and it was a, a, a four-horse stock trailer. They had four horses in it, and they had, all, they had five dogs in there too. And uh, they said, will your horse get up in the trailer and of course not wanting to be embarrassed i without hesitation said oh absolutely they opened up the back of this rusty old stock trailer and i look in there and i my horse has about as much space as a card table to get up in there and i said well come on scratch let's just hop up in there and we'll see how you do to my great delight scratch just hopped right up in there we kind of pushed him over Heard a dog got stepped on and, and <laughs> squeal, but we slammed the gate shut, and, and then they all rode back there for about a mile and a half, and we let them out. And the ride back was a lot nicer than the ride out, I got to tell you. Oh yeah, they uh, they're once they're pretty tired, they don't care much. They're like, well, that's that's one step closer to food. I think they can go, they can work their way backwards from what happened before we started working let's go back that way and and get back to where we had food last, <laughs> yeah. you know and it's like when when a horse dumps somebody off and you find him standing at the truck it's like oh right. <laughs> yeah. the horse knows that he's done working when he gets to the truck and it's only a matter of time until he gets food again right yeah. well and i was kind of talking about me sam i mean i you know as the new guy they made me ride in the back of the truck and those those back roads they're not uh, they're not exactly paved yeah yeah you don't want to <laughs> You don't want to be the dude that has to tell them, hey, stop, my hat just blew off. Right. <laughs> you just, we'll just get it on the way back. And then as a new guy, I had to open up all the gates, too. 
you know there's there's an old song about that where it says if there's three guys riding in a pickup truck how can you tell which one's a real cowboy and it's, uh, i don't know he says well it's the one in the middle because he doesn't have to drive and he doesn't have to mess with the gate <laughs> there you go <laughs> yep there was a lot of gate messing around in my in, in my gathering experiences yeah that's knocks the bark off you and adds character that i think that it, it did it did now you went up to uh, what were you talking about? Going up to the livestock show up there? The was that the oh, Nile? Yeah, the Nile. It's a it's a pretty big deal out here. Apparently, you know, I I hadn't heard about it when I lived back home in Minnesota, but it's a big cattle show, and they also have you know, three nights of PRCA rodeo, and they have a ranch rodeo and different things, and and there were a bunch of really really nice futurity horses showing, and then a few of them selling. It's mainly cattle and stuff, and it's kind of a a big deal. But then they were selling, they did futurity uh, ranch working horses, mm-hmm. and then they were they were selling a few of them. And boy, it was something else to watch that. And then they have a big rodeo a couple nights, and it was pretty good. It was it was a lot of fun. What were the horses going for? It's funny. I was in in my booth the whole time, you know, and I couldn't go into the horse sale. So Mindy's real happy about that, actually, because they didn't come home with another horse. <laughs> but as I was walking in, they were warming them all up in the morning, and there was one this big roan horse that I picked out that I said, "Oh, he's pretty, and he looks good, and he was he probably had a size three in the front shoe. I mean, he had some draft in him." They said they warmed him up and put him through his paces, and then when he went through the sale ring, he went for like seven grand. Wow. I mean, he's like, you know, mother-in-law safe. So that was something I couldn't see that just standing there. But I just, I wanted a big horse to pack my brother-in-law up to the lakes around here. And he's 300 pounds. And I said, well, that one would do it. Yeah, you've got, you have a little of an affinity to the, the bigger draft horses, too. I noticed one of your blog posts about, was it Scotty? He had a little he had a little draft in him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I I like them. They're big puppy dogs, you know. They're they got a personality, and it's just something cool, you know. They they don't think any differently than a smaller horse. They just are so much more exaggerated. I don't know if the cartoon character factor is that much bigger because they got these big feet and big feathery, you know, fat locks and whatever, and they're these huge heads, and then they're just a big puppy dog. I don't know. Maybe they're the same as a regular horse, or like that other fellow was telling you, a horse and a mule are about the same. Maybe mules and horses and draft horses are all the same, but yep. I just it's just perception on my part, and I've had positive experiences with big draft horses. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Boy, it was just a really enjoyable deal. I sat, had a booth there, and was was meeting my my public, as it were, were just meeting people that I had met at the Buck and Horse sale earlier this year. And if they bought one book and they wanted another one, I'd give them that. And, and we'd, we'd get to visit on how are you and, and how are things. And it, it's getting to be really fun when I see repeat business or repeat customers and kind of oh, learn bet. people's names and, uh, you know, how'd that horse ever turn out that we were BSing about last time. And, you know, the the whole thing is... You're sitting there in the booth, and you don't want to don't want to just talk about books and writing and everything, especially with a cowboy crowd. I want to talk about cowboy stuff. So right? Yeah. We sit around and and talk to you know talk about ranching, talk about hay crops this year and the effect the fires have had and this and that and it was really good because I I feel at home. I think maybe we touched on this the last time that when you interviewed me for the podcast, where you just feel at home. 
with certain people and and i feel at home with the western crowd and boy they're some of the nicest most honest people you can come across and there are a few that that you're a little dicey about if you get into horse trading or things like that but for the most part ranchers and and farmers are the salt of the earth and i just love hanging out with them do they get along up well up there i've always heard well i've not always heard but i've heard that there are some differences in ranchers and and farmers and well i was in one colorado town where the town was split in the middle because the farmers had one priority and the ranchers had a different priority how's it in montana well, you know, it's not it's not as bad as you might think. Uh, there is a little disconnect sometimes between sheep ranchers and cattle ranchers. I don't know if that's just long-held prejudices from, you know, years gone by or whatever the case may be. But there are some outfits that are uh, either integrated or mixed where they have cattle and they have sheep as well. And mm-hmm. most of the ranches around here have hay ground and are farming anyway. Now, when you get up further northwest of me, up in Great Falls or or in the eastern part of the state, there are a lot of wheat farms, you know, and people that just farm. But a lot of them have cattle as well, and it's kind of a hedge against the market. You know, if the market's lousy in one one aspect, at least they can make money on the other side that year. And I, yeah. I haven't run into it too much, although nobody likes haying. I mean, everybody's a hay farmer, but nobody likes haying because I get calls <laughs> get calls to come pick up bales all the time <laughs> but it knocks the price off my hay a little bit so that's good oh good and and i understand tomorrow you're off to build to help build a pole barn yeah so i go down and use my strong back and a weak mind and put poles in the ground and build a barn and the place we're working on right now is really cool because they do fox hunts with with horses but it's not foxes it's coyotes you know because oh, wow. we got we got coyotes like crazy and so they, I think they've got access to you know, 10,000 acres nearby or something. It's, it's kind of a cool deal. Wow. There's a there's a herd of about 100 head of horses just standing around. And some of them look like they're lightning fast. And other ones look like they're built for the plow. And she, the gal who runs it, leases horses out to seasonal residents. And then also conducts these fox hunts and has rental horses for that. So it's a pretty neat deal. Have you ever gone on any of those? I've not. She's invited me since I've been working down there, but uh, we'll see if old Chance the Bay Wanderer is up for it. I don't know. He's, <laughs> he, he's, he's pretty happy standing in the pasture right now, but he's about to get a workout because i got an elk hunt and an antelope hunt scheduled this week. Is the weather going to hold up for you? Oh, rain or shine, we dine. We're going. Is that right? Yeah. I got lots of layers and they're haired up for the winter, so we'll be okay. It It, it would be nice if it would be really sunny and warm and with a uh, warm breeze on your face and all that but chances are we'll have all of it every day because that's about how the weather goes up here and that's right i remember you're originally from minnesota so you know if it's if it's in the 50s that's hot for you guys oh yeah that's t-shirt weather that's right yeah unless you're handling hay bales you don't want to get barked up by the by the hay straw you always tell a guy that Hadn't done hay before because he'd show up in the loft back when I was growing up. He'd show up mm-hmm. in the loft with a t-shirt and shorts on. And at the end of the day, when you're done carrying, he'd look like somebody had raked him over with a garden rake. 
the next year he'd come to do bales and he'd be wearing a sweatshirt and jeans and he'd be sweating like crazy, but he wouldn't be sore and barked up at the end of the day. I remember those days as a kid moving hay. Yeah. Even though I didn't have a horse, I did it for a friend and went, God dang, this is an awful lot like work. Well, you know, you're a good good friend to have if you ever want to come up here and be a friend <laughs> with me, that'd be okay. Although I I do all my moving with the skid loader now. I gotta I buy them in big square bales because they peel off nice for flakes and it's still they're easier to handle with a skid steer. Very cool, very cool. Well, thanks, Sam. It's been a great fun catching up with you, and I look forward to reading your latest book. If people want to find out more about Sam Finden and the books that you write. Where shall we send them? Oh, I think the best spot to check me out is at samfinden.com. That's www.samfinden.com. Can people find you on Facebook? Absolutely. I'm, I'm on Facebook as Sam Finden Author, and I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as at Sam Finden. So any way you want to get a hold of me. Well, that'll do it for this show. Thanks, Sam, for being on the show, and... You can use the Apple Podcast app to subscribe to the Woe Podcast and you'll never miss an episode. You can also subscribe on Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. They're all free. And they're all on woepodcast.com. How do you get the podcast, Sam? I listen through that little purple app on my iPhone. There you go. That's the Apple Podcast app. And please visit woepodcast.com and sign up for our emails and stay up to date. Have a suggestion for a guest, a comment? You can email me at john at woepodcast.com. The Woe Podcast is produced by John and Renee Hare with occasional research support from Robin Kane and support from you, our listeners. If you would like to support the show, visit woepodcast.com and click on the Patreon button. Thanks again for listening to the show. Now go have some fun with your horses. Thanks again, Sam. Bye-bye, everybody. Make sure you cut out the part where you're drinking water.